0: Hey, this is Dean Cameron. You're listening to Three Guys and a Flick, like a reviewing summer school. So listen up. Learn something.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Would somebody tell
2: me what Mr. Shoop had planned for today?
0: Group sex? No, <laughs> that's tomorrow. Today is independent study, right after our mid-morning nap. <music> Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Summer School. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from the AV room at Oceanfront High School, my name is Don. And to my right, we have the comic book guy, John.
1: Can I call my folks and tell them
0: I won't be coming home? Ever? And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello everybody. How you guys doing tonight? Uh, Ace's baby.
1: I am feeling great cuz this movie has gotten me ready for summer.
0: I'm I'm glad you said that because this is kind of like a summery movie. It's in the title. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Tonight we are talking about summer school. We decided to review this movie because, well, well, it was my turn to pick and John you and I had been talking about summer school for a couple of months now. Really? Yeah. Summer school has come up at least once or twice. But it wasn't until we went to Crypticon a few weeks ago and we saw Dean Cameron and Kelly Minter, uh, both in this film, we saw them at Crypticon. Which was weird because CryptoCon's like a horror con, right?
1: Well, it's not so weird if you think about it because they do have a horror sequence in this movie. And who is that horror sequence designed by? Rick Baker. Rick Baker. So it kind of connected up to a horror convention.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. And plus, both of them were in horror movies independently, which is probably why. So the stars aligned. They were there. They were in a panel. We went and saw it. Summer School takes me back. It's one of those movies that really grabbed my attention back in the day. And I remember seeing it on VHS. I remember wearing the tape out. I remember my buddy Dave and I, ironically, his name is Dave. Uh, we were Dave and Chainsaw. Th- this movie had a really big impact. And so when we got to go see them, I thought it was really cool. And I personally think that this is a very underrated summer comedy
1: one of the other great things and especially the fact that we got to meet both uh dean and kelly uh was that dean was nice enough to do that plug that people heard right at the beginning of the
0: show yeah thank you dean cameron we really appreciate you Mm -hmm. dean cameron plays chainsaw and kelly minter plays denise two of the students that uh, are in the summer school class uh, in the movie
1: and both were as sweet as could be when we met them absolutely
0: Released on July 22nd, 1987, Summer School was directed by Carl Reiner. It was written by Jeff Franklin, Stuart Birnbaum, and David Dasheve. Music by Danny Elfman. And it stars Mark Harmon, Christy Alley, Courtney Thorne Smith, Dean Cameron, Gary Riley, Kelly Joe Minter, and a bunch of other actors.
1: Danny Elfman, uh, Did the music for it, which is, I think, a great grab. You know, did his great job. We should also wish him a happy birthday if he's listening because his birthday was on May 29th. He turned 70 years old.
0: Wow. Happy birthday, Mr. Elfman. I -hmm. could definitely hear some of that Danny Elfman sound in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He does Weird Science in 85 with Oingo Boingo. And so, yeah, a lot of that sound kind of carries over as well.
1: So. Is it wrong that I never knew he was the lead singer of Oingo Boingo?
0: Yeah, a little bit. It's a little bit wrong, uh, especially because you liked those type of bands yeah. back then, right? Yeah, so. I
1: just—I guess I just never connected it.
0: Well, now you have. Mm-hmm. There you go.
1: How'd this movie do, Don? Uh,
0: I'm not really sure what the budget was to make the movie, but it did bring in 36 million dollars, and I'm pretty sure that's pretty good for 1987.
1: For a 1987, the fact like every Beach comedy type style of movie back then it at least had to show boobs at one point to get anybody in the theaters. This movie stuck to just the comedy, and I think it worked,
0: yeah. yeah. and and that's what happens when Carl Reiner uh, is at the helm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you know, when we talk about these
2: budgets and you talk about how much money they make, because when you brought that up and it's just like, you know, the movie money is so different back then because, the top ten movies back in nineteen eighty seven. The number one movie, Beverly Hills Cop two, one hundred and fifty three million. The number ten movie was Predator, fifty nine million. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and do you know what place this movie ranked?
2: Uh, it was probably like thirty, something like that.
1: Thirty second highest grossing film of nineteen eighty seven.
2: It's so weird hearing those monies, but you know, it's it's. A while ago. It's almost 40 years ago.
0: I know. That's crazy, right? It really
2: is. Yeah.
0: Things have changed. You know, the top grossing was what? Beverly Hills Cop Two at uh, how much? 153. That's a good opening today. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So. So crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And actually, I think that's like a mediocre
2: opening, probably. So you brought up Carl Reiner. And Carl Reiner, he really is such a storied man when it comes to Hollywood. He has had a long and distinguished history in Hollywood, and he is a rather, I don't want to say prolific, but he is certainly somebody that has had his foot in every aspect when it comes to, you know, making product, when it comes to writing, TV, movies, directing, producing, directing, all of it. He has done all of it. And I have to say that... (laughs)
0: I was surprised mildly that it's just like, holy shit, man, that's Saul from Ocean's Eleven. That's right. And I was thinking that too, um, especially when you get to see him because he cameos in his own movie, which I think is sweet. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is Saul.
2: He had a lot of movies that he directed in the 80s. Uh, Just before this, he also did Summer Rental, uh, All of Me, Man with Two Brains, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, The Jerk. And back in 77, he also did Oh, God.
1: Yeah. He originally wasn't uh, listed to direct this movie. But from what we heard at the panel, he read the script, loved it so much, and had some option that he could just pick whatever movie he wanted to direct. And he chose this one.
0: And after you watch this film, and maybe it's just me because I'm watching it with my nostalgia glasses on, but I felt like this film was directed... I guess the best way I can describe it is classically, or and I dare use the word wholesome, but in today's standards... And it's
2: very tender.
0: Tender. Thank you, Professor. Tender is a great word. Uh, there's a lot of tenderness in the way that this was directed in it, and I feel that it comes across on screen. I
1: uh, totally agree. Yeah. What did you guys think of the casting of this movie?
0: I thought it was cast very well. You know, uh, Mark Harmon at the time uh, was just... Had just left St. Elsewhere or something, but he was transitioning over into movies. Well,
1: Carl Reiner, I guess, saw him in the uh, Ted Bundy series. Yeah, wasn't that like a mini series or something? The
0: Deliberate Stranger. Have do you ever seen that?
1: No, I have not seen that. I will
0: always equate uh, Ted Bundy and Mark Harmon together because I saw that when it aired on television back in the eighties. Anyways, um, super creepy. Yeah, he uh, he's trying to break out and do film. Uh, But as his career would turn out, he's better suited for TV because he's been on NCIS for... 20 years? Yes. Forever. For as long as I've been alive.
2: He's got almost 500 episodes. Yeah.
0: So uh, pretty solid. I thought he played a great Mr. Shoup. Uh, It did remind me like he could have been... Kevin Costner's younger brother at that time just the way his hair flowed and well, or cer- cousin
2: maybe certainly the characteristics that we get out of Kevin Costner's uh guy that we see in Silverado. Yes. Yes, yeah. so I
0: was thinking that in Tin Cup a little bit. Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. Originally Kevin or Carl Reiner wanted a like a famous comedian to play the role of Shoup, but as soon as he saw Mark Harmon, he he knew he was right for this role.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. very likable
0: at this. Absolutely, uh, I love Mr. Shoop, and I had a teacher that was similar to Mr. Shoop. Not, I mean, he wouldn't let us drink or anything stupid like that. But um, the innocence of him, yeah, it, Mr. Shoop reminded me of this teacher in high school, and and I always you know appreciated that after after I got out of high school. Uh, Christy Alley. She's right about to jump into Cheers. She yep. hasn't done Look Who's Talking yet. But this is
1: one of her big breakout roles. This
0: is, I think, one of her big breakout roles.
2: Her, her her breakout role happened in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, where she played Lieutenant Savick.
1: That is her breakout
2: role. 1985, this is 1987.
1: But do we really call that a breakout role?
2: Yes.
0: I agree with you, but I'm going to take it a step further. 1984's sci-fi classic thriller, Runaway with Tom Selleck and Gene Simmons. There you go. She was hot in that. Absolutely. Yeah. I dug her in that. Yeah. And in here, she's still really pretty, but more of a Carl Reiner pretty. If That makes sense. Yeah, I guess. So why haven't I, we reviewed that movie? Runaway? Yeah. Because it's not in the helmet. It,
1: someone needs to submit that. Cause I always wondered, how could you not just walk away from those little robot things?
0: Oh, that dude, that's a whole podcast in itself. We'll get there. And then you have the all the students, right? And
1: Courtney Thorne-Smith. This was one of her first roles, and she really was just about to take off after this movie.
0: Right, because after this, she gets Melrose Place, mm-hmm. and then she's a household name.
1: Yeah, they actually ended up redoing the movie posters. Originally, they didn't put her on the movie poster, but then she started to get famous, and they thought, oh, well, we can ride that fame a little bit, and they put her on the new versions of the movie posters.
0: Yeah. The group of high school students were very um, they were very planned, right? Uh, they, they all had their, their area, their own niche, their own niche, right? And I thought that the casting of these guys was great because they all seemed to generally look like they gelled or they look like they're having a fun time when shit's going on, right. Uh, but easily, my favorite two out of them, as I said earlier, Uh, were Dave and Chainsaw. Would you guys think of uh, Dave and Chainsaw as characters?
2: They were a hoot. You know, they were very, very likable because they had such snappy dialogue and the way that they would go back and forth in a -a rat-a-tat sort of fashion. Absolutely.
1: I feel like, you know, I don't want to say if they were the original pairing of these kind of bosom buddy kind of guys, but, you know, they're the, the mold that, you know, we eventually got Jay and Silent Bob and other characters who have you know been in other movies, I would have loved to see them carry on in other movies or even carry their own movie.
0: I'm going to agree with you, John, but I'm going to take it a step further. They are the original Bill and Ted.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I was right? thinking.
0: So, yeah, that's I definitely can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So, um, yeah, and then the rest of the characters, they all, like I said, and they all blended well um, with each other.
1: If there was a character in this movie, one of the students that was you in high school, who would you say that is? Oh, chainsaw! You were chainsaw in high school without that,
0: Larry. Hell yeah, he was fucking Larry. <laughs> I can Start. see that, actually. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> professor stripping at night and sleeping through class?
1: Well, what the listeners don't know is most of the times when we record these shows, he's not wearing a shirt. That has nothing to do with the pod.
0: What about you there, tough guy? Who, do you, who, would, you, who would you say you equated with in high school?
1: You know, that's a tough one. No, I, it's not. I would like to say Chainsaw as well. But Julie, when we watched this movie, kept correcting me and saying, no, no, you were Alan.
0: Oh, Eekian, yes. <laughs> I would have been the
1: one who was getting the deal going and yeah, puking I, after the I can see that.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Head in the garbage can. Yes. And then Kelly Jo Minter uh, plays Denise, and I thought that she was a great character as well. And she was in A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, yep. and she's one of the only heroines to beat Freddy. And, John, we got to take a picture with her at Crypticon.
1: Yep. And we will be posting that on social media. Do you know what time it is?
0: What time is it? It's test time.
1: In our continuing pursuit to crown the master of movie trivia, I have prepared a series of questions related to today's movie. Please wait until I finish each question before answering. How much does Mr. Deirdorian win on his scratch-off tickets? $30,000. God
0: bless America. $50,000. Go oh, fucking A. That's what I get for giving up. I thought it was 30.
1: What is Chainsaw's real first name? Francis Grim. Well, it's his full name, but I'll give it to you. What would I said first name.
0: Well, why wouldn't you give it to me? Because I said yeah, the first said name the anyway. First
1: name. Yeah, but then you finished it up with the last name. So and what? So technicality. He still said the name. What do you mean a technical name?
0: Name? You asked for the first name, I gave you the fucking first name.
1: What's the name of the high school? Oceanfront... <laughs> Oceanfront High School.
0: That's what we said. Who
1: is in love with Mr. Shoop? Everyone. Pam. It's Pam. I'm going to say everyone. We don't know that for sure. Where were Shoop's keys hung the first time they were hidden in the classroom? On the light switch. On the light switch. What class does Mr. Shoop teach over summer? Please be specific. Remedial English. Very good. In the beginning of the movie... What message is the plane towing in the sky? Uh,
0: Who cares? Ooh, listen to that. Wasn't it, Will You Marry Me? No, it was a very important message. What was it?
1: Tan with bod butter sunspread.
0: Oh. I've seen this movie a number of times, gentlemen, and I never knew that. I had to pause it read it. Yeah, thank you for making me dumber.
1: What color is Chainsaw's cap? Yellow. Nice. During the exam, what was the first section the students had to complete in 20 minutes?
0: No! Tension breaker had to be done. Math and English? Well, it
1: was just an English course that they took. So, English? Reading vocabulary. Oh. <laughs> Who is always sleeping during class? Larry. Larry, very good. In which room is the summer school class?
0: The art room. I don't know.
1: Room 43. Wow. Who got the best grade on the, the exam? Pam.
0: The guy who spent six weeks in the bathroom. I'll
1: give it to you. It's Jerome. What movie poster is hanging over Chainsaw's bed?
0: I think uh, over his bed is Night of the Living Dead.
1: I'm going to have to deduct a point from you if you don't get this.
0: If it's, if you're thinking it's Jaws, Jaws 2. 2, it's not over his bed. It's Jaws? to the right because what's right next to that is, is uh, Jaws, Jaws 3. 3D. Oh, okay. 3D, that's right.
1: The only poster I saw was Jaws 2.
0: Oh, there's one that's next to it that's over his bed.
1: Okay. Where does Anne-Marie
0: come from? Italy. France. France. It's Italy. How old? She is, keeps saying grazie. Yeah. How old is Pam? Uh, you're tw- She's older than. 20. I'm going through the conversation. She's sixteen.
1: Sixteen years old. Very good. What company does Denise write her complaint letter to?
0: Oh, something about bad hair, fashion hair, something like that.
1: That's close. He she hair products. That's what it was. And for the last question. <laughs> what score did Jerome get on his test? 96
0: 95
1: 91 oh. So you both were close I believe Don got the most answers correct this round So that would put you two in a tie
0: Wow, that come! I'm so shocked Mm-hmm On the last day of school before summer vacation, physical education teacher Freddie Shoup is preparing for a vacation to Hawaii with his girlfriend, Kim. Vice principal Phil Gills hands out paper slips informing several underachievers that they must attend summer school for remedial English. This includes easily distracted Pam, nocturnal Larry, a male stripper, football jock Kevin, pregnant Rhonda, geeky Alan Eakian, dyslexic Denise, intimidating Jerome, and two horror film-obsessed underachievers, Dave and Francis, a.k.a. Chainsaw. The teacher scheduled to teach the class, Mr. Dodorian, wins the lottery and immediately quits, so Gil seeks out an emergency replacement among the teachers still on school grounds, but each manages to evade him, guessing what he wants them to do. You finally corner Shoop, blackmailing into taking the job or lose tenure.
1: I'm curious. Did either of you growing up have to go to summer school ever?
0: Uh, I went to driver's ed during the summer. Does that count? Mm, That's not really making up for anything. Yeah, I never had to go to summer school to make up for anything. How about that?
2: How about you, professor? I failed my science course in high school And in order for me to be able to graduate, I had to go on this two-week hike along the Olympic Ocean. Uh, It was an Olympic Ocean trek is what it was called. And so for two weeks, I went along the ocean coast. And traditionally, it is a very gorgeous time. For us, it poured the entire time. We had three days where there was a little bit of a break in the rain. And one day we had an afternoon where it didn't rain at all. The rest of the time, it
0: just rained. It was miserable. That doesn't sound like summer school. But it was, it,
1: he had to do it over the summer and it was to make up for yep something that happened in school.
0: <laughs> what about you? Did you ever have to do summer school?
1: In elementary school, uh, I had really bad allergies and I don't think they were diagnosed at the time. So I kind of was like a Larry. I slept through everything. I, they'd always go find me somewhere hidden, asleep somewhere. Uh, and because of that, I actually had to go to summer school one year to make up for missing all of reading class.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, shit. You play, you pay, mm-hmm. right? So this movie opens with a catchy Danny Elfman tune, and uh, it's your typical... Opening to a comedy, especially in the 80s, and we are introduced immediately to our cast of characters, and really the whole plot of the story is just thrown out there, right?
1: I almost felt this was a little bit like a breakfast club opening, or like you said, traditional 80s kind of high school opening, that we kind of as we're doing like this montage of all of them hand, you know someone handing out those little slips and everything we're getting to see each character kind of in the wild
0: yeah and i think that the the song that's playing is fun i like when we get introduced to mr shoop he's with his pe class and he says, uh, I want you to notice that the score on your report card is empty. Who better to evaluate the student than the student himself? <laughs> do you
1: ever have a teacher do that?
0: No, I was the teacher that did that.
1: Were you? How about yeah. you, professor? Do you do that in your class? All the time. No, never.
0: Yeah. When, when I would do film mm-hmm. for the elective, that's pretty much how I came up with my grades.
1: My choir teacher would have everybody fill out their grades, and I never understood why anybody was hard on themselves and gave themselves bees.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's some morally honest people out there. Yeah. So,
1: no. there Cer- you go.
0: Certainly not at this table. What? I don't know what you're talking about. So, we're introduced to Shoop and uh, immediately I like him.
1: Yeah, I love how they do the, cl- the countdown.
0: Yeah, for school, yeah. high school? That, Using the score clock. That yeah. was
1: like... Every year for me in high school, every class, you know, final class, we'd always have to do a countdown. Julie said that never happened to her. No one ever did a countdown in her classes.
0: Well, I just feel bad for her because I did countdowns. Mm -hmm. And so while this is all happening, uh, we keep cutting to Carl Reiner, uh, the director of the film. And he is the teacher and he is playing the scratchers. So naturally, you know right away he's going to hit. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. It's going to be the final ticket. Now, of course, he must've had like 30 of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And his reaction every time he would lose is priceless. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, he ends up winning. He goes to vice principal Gill and the principal. And he mm-hmm. says, I just won $50,000 apparently. And I quit and I'm out. Uh, and, uh, the principal goes, well, wasn't he doing summer school? And, uh, Gil's like, yeah, yeah. And the principal was like, well, don't look at me. You're in charge of summer school. Go figure this out.
1: Well, I love how Gil says something to him along the lines of, you know, people have won a million dollars in the lottery and gone back to work the next day.
0: They're freaking morons.
1: I love that. Just that from Carl Reiner.
0: Because I think I would say the same fucking thing. (laughs) Although 50,000 then is like 100 billion now. So there you go. Right. Mm-hmm. so gills has to run out and find a substitute uh to take over for Dorian's summer school class and you get that bit where they're cutting back and forth uh shoop and his girlfriend are packing trying to get out before gills gets to him and he's watching him right he knows what's happening because he sees gills running car from car to car saying can you teach summer school summer school and i like the one teacher's reaction wait wasn't that remedial english And Gills is like, yeah, he just takes off. Just floors it. Yeah.
1: As you mentioned, Shoop is trying to get everything packed. And he eventually just says, I'll meet you at the airport. I'll take a cab. And it was Wonder Mutt that gave him up.
0: Yeah. Well, what was going to happen with all the uh, luggage that was in in the car?
1: I don't think he cared at that point. He just wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah.
0: And so uh, Wonder Mutt gives him up and Gills finds him and says, you're going to teach summer school or I'm not going to grant you tenure.
1: I had never heard of tenure being granted at a high school level before. Have you?
0: No. Professor, have you? No.
1: I tried to look it up, and I guess it sometimes does happen. Maybe it happened more in the 80s, but that's mostly a university thing.
0: Yeah, well, I got a better question for you. Who cares? It's part of the plot. We needed needed a motivating factor for uh, Shoop to have to... Do this court or teach this class and i like what he says shoop says this is blackmail and gill says we like to call it school spirit i thought that was a nice classy little comeback mm-hmm. so
2: I like how it follows immediately afterwards where Kim decides, well, I'm going to go to Hawaii without you. <laughs> if you loved me
0: or hell, if you even liked me a little bit.
1: <laughs> and I love how she, she doesn't ever say that she loves him. She just says, well, if I didn't like you, Shoop,
0: if I didn't like you, I
1: wouldn't ask you to drive me to the airport.
0: Now would I? Yeah. And Shoop is such a nice guy. I'm sure he fucking did it. Mm-hmm. Question is who paid for those tickets? I'm guessing he did. Mm. I'm telling you, Shoop's an all around nice guy, you know, and, we get these movies that the the protagonist could have easily been a cocky 80s arrogant jerk who jock. at the last jock at the last minute turns around and has a heart, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But no, they broke the stereotype and they made him more of a tender, passionate, caring human being. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things that I really appreciated about this movie as well.
1: Well, one of the things that I appreciated, and you kind of mentioned how he has heart and everything. I don't know if that was the exact case in the beginning of the movie. Because I think we get to see some growth from him throughout the whole movie. Because he even says in the beginning, the only reason I took this job is to have my summers off and not work hard.
0: Right, But he doesn't come across as a dick right off the bat.
1: No, not a, never a dick in this movie, but he really, I think, just doesn't even care about teaching or care about the kids in early on in the movie. He just wants the tenure, wants the job, everything like that not to be fired. It's not till later on in the movie he actually cares. Right.
0: On his first day, Shoop meets Robin Bishop, who is teaching American history next door. He falls for her, but she is already dating Gills. His first day is a disaster. Most of the students slack around and Jerome goes to the bathroom and doesn't return. A beautiful Italian transfer student, Anne Maria, is transferred to the class in order for her to work on her English, much to the delight of Dave and Chainsaw. After some students inexplicably leave and the remaining ones attempt to leave class as well, Shoup admits he has no idea how to teach them. Rather than studying, he and the students spend their first few days having fun going on field trips to the beach, a theme park, and a petting zoo until Alan's grandmother finds out and tells Gills. So he has to take the job, and it's his first day, and as he's coming in, uh, he meets Robin. What do you guys think of this exchange?
2: He was kind of superficial there. She's a pretty girl, and immediately he's trying to woo her.
0: Yes, yes.
1: We also get the setup of, you know, she's there teaching a class of voluntary students who just want to get ahead, whereas Shoop is just the complete opposite of her. He's being forced to be there with students who also don't want to be there. Right. Yeah.
0: And so uh, the first day happens, and all the kids come in, and, you know, I don't know... It it didn't seem like they all knew who Mr. Shoop was at first.
1: A few did. David yeah. Chainsaw did. They did
0: because they asked him. Could they couldn't believe that he was teaching the class.
1: First they thought he was in the class. Right,
0: right. Um, and then, you know, he they everybody gets introduced and they start messing with him a little bit. I like this bit when uh he uh Mr. Shoop's kind of fumbling around. He goes, "Where are my keys?" And Chainsaw's like, "They're somewhere in this room." You know, and then... Playing the hot-cold game. And then uh, Jerome gets up and goes to the bathroom, then everyone else goes to the bathroom, and she just kind of loses control right right off the bat. Has that ever happened to you, sir? It happens
2: to every teacher. You just
0: kind of lose them, huh?
2: Well, for whatever reason, you know, things go horribly awry, and it's just something that is part of a learning experience. Yeah. Did you
1: catch how many students were in the class at the beginning
0: uh, more than there are at the end, I can tell you that much.
1: I counted 18 students, and this is before Anne-Marie got to the class, 18 students in that classroom uh, on the first day. At the end of the movie, when they actually take the exam, or actually it changes when they start making their bargains with Shoop, it goes drops down to eight, not including Anne-Marie. Yeah.
0: So during the bit where he loses his keys, he says shit or something, and uh, all the kids feel like they have the uh, freedom to start... uh, We can swear in here now. Yeah. Uh, This is where we get our one F-bomb. So, summer school uh, PG-13 does get its F-bomb in there.
1: It does have a bullshit.
0: Yeah, but what does that have to do with anything?
1: I don't know. Does that not count with the sensors?
0: No. No, not for... Just the
1: F-bombs? Yeah, as
0: far as getting an R versus PG-13. But my favorite bit is when Christy Alley comes in, and she's like, can you guys work on some hand gestures or finger motions and oh my god so funny it's so funny I love
1: one it. thing i don't know if i caught the first time i saw the movie i didn't catch it this last time i saw it so i actually watched it another time was when dave actually does steal the keys off the desk you know i it was so quick he steals them hands them off the chainsaw and then chainsaw goes off you know off screen did you catch that when dave grabbed the keys
0: no no uh, it took me a while well, I guess I mean I see it now because I've seen this movie a gazillion times, but uh, yeah, no, they did a really good job at that. Mm-hmm. Good sleight of hand. So some of the students go to the bathroom, the rest of them go to the library, and then I like how the security guard is walking everybody in. And before that, Pam says I have to go to the bathroom or I have to be excused. Well, it's a woman thing. A woman thing. Yeah. And Jane's like, and Chainsaw's like, she's going surfing. And turns out he was right because she's one of the ones that gets walked in as well. And, you know, Mr. Shoop kind of levels with him. You know, I'm not really a fucking teacher. I, I don't know what we're what we're going to do. You know what I mean? And then, of course, naturally, field trips. Yeah.
1: I love how they bring up the idea of field trips. And he's like, well, I, I need to find some forms. And Chainsaw pulls out a handful of field trips. Well, now I'm going to need a, you know, bring it take it home get your parents to sign it bring it back and they immediately all sign their parents names yeah
0: yeah typical high school thing
1: and i love i love how shoop looks and goes oh this is well done
0: right and then also in the meantime uh, anna maria gets escorted in uh, she's the exchange student that dave and Jane saw automatically fall head over heels for And she becomes a member of the class.
1: Did you notice how it was really quick, but they kicked Alan out of his seat to give. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And then they immediately moved their desk right up against hers. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think of all the field trips they went on?
0: Oh, I thought they were funny. Uh, The amusement park one where. uh,
1: Knott's Berry Farm, I guess they were at. Is that where they were at? That's where it was filmed.
0: Uh, Eakian throws up. And Anna Maria is all concerned, and Dave and Chainsaw are reviewing it like a fucking movie.
1: Yeah, and that was what really pushed Chainsaw's review up, is someone threw up.
0: (laughs) Is he all right? No, Anna Maria. It appears that he is vomiting. (laughs) True sign of a solid ride. Thumbs up.
1: I did like the the fact that they go on the go-karts, and I kept thinking, who lets a woman who's like nine months pregnant
0: in one of those go-karts? 1987, sir. Do we have seatbelts back then? In 87, I'm not sure.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Oh, okay. Did 80. we use them? Hey, man, different strokes for different folks. And uh, then they take a uh, then then they take a field trip to the petting zoo. And this is one of my favorite scenes because this really showcases, you know, what Dave and Chainsaw are really up to. Um, and also. Gives us a little preview on Pam having a crush on Mr. Shoop. Mm -hmm. Mr. Shoop's shirt gets eaten by a goat. Pam offers to sew it up. But then Dave and Chainsaw come out of the barn with the bunnies from hell stuck to their face. And they... Ripping their skin off. Yeah. So they all the prosthetics, all the makeup. That was done by Rick Baker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He goes uncredited.
1: And what is Rick Baker also famous for?
0: American Werewolf in London?
1: Yeah, lots of different movies. Yeah. You know, I earlier on I compared myself to Alan and I have to say my mother would have been that person who went in and tattled on everybody.
0: Oh, God bless her soul. I thought this was funny because she uh, the grandmother comes in and she's like, Is this your idea of fire education? <laughs> and Gills is like, No. So they go talk to Shoop, and I love how I love Shoop's defense. Well, this is your fault. You knew I couldn't teach. And is he wrong? No. He knew. He basically knew.
1: Or I feel like Gil was setting him up because he knew that none of these kids were going to pass. He was just supposed to babysit these kids.
0: Gil threatens to fire Shoup unless his students pass the end-of-term test. Shoup negotiates with each teen to grant them a favor if they study. The kids agree, so he gives Denise driving lessons, accompanies Rhonda to Lama's class, gives Kevin football lessons, allows Dave and Chainsaw to throw a party in his house and give them rides to school, gives Larry a bed in the classroom, lets Chainsaw arrange a screening of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in class, and allows Pam to move in with him. Seeing he is still floundering as a teacher, Robin tells Shoop to make learning fun. He begins to grow closer to the kids they study to pass their English basic skills exam. Worried that Gills will fire him unless all of his students
1: pass. So Shoop, after getting threatened by Gills, shows up in a suit. What do you think of him in a suit?
0: I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Robin even asked him if he owned socks or something like that, and I'm assuming he was wearing socks that day. But yeah, uh, Gills says, "I'm going to fucking fire you if you can't. If these guys can't pass the test and." And it's because Shoup is like begging, or pleading for his job at this point. Right. He fucked up. He's trying to make it right. And to make it right, he's got to get all these kids to pass. And it, a very common trope, uh, throughout high school movies in the eighties for sure. But, um, he has to get his act together. He comes to school in a suit and the kids kind of wig out on him. Right. Or they're they're just not used to seeing Mr. Shoop like that.
1: Well, they still think he's playing.
0: Right. And they know he's not playing because he calls Chainsaw by his real name.
1: Francis, sit down.
0: And um, he's going to get up and leave. And then Shoop's like, look, I don't know what to do, guys. Uh, All all I'm asking you to do is study and pass this test. One of the students says, well, what do we get out of this? And I love Shoop's response. Literacy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the The delivery is so good.
1: And then Alan negotiates that deal with all of them. If you guys were in the classroom, was there anything you'd think of
0: asking for? Um, I think that Dave and Chainsaw kind of nail it with a party and a screening of a movie in class. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that sounds like a little bit of fried gold to me.
2: Yeah, that's pretty over the
1: top. What about you? I think, again, I would be the one probably negotiating the deal and asking just to go to the party.
0: And then I would be the one that says, we'll see. Um, out of all of these uh, bribes, we'll call them, uh, were there any that stood out?
1: One that kind of jumped out at me at the beginning was when Pam wouldn't give hers right away. When she said, uh, I'll discuss that in private with Shoop or something like that. Because already I thought, okay, this is not going to be good. This is going to be something to watch for.
0: Right. Red flags, red flags.
1: Red flags all over the place. And when she does ask to move in with him, again, red flags all over the place. Right. This leads into what I would say is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, or at least the dialogue in it, which is the driving, which Shoop teaching Denise to drive.
0: Oh, I love that, because he combines Dave and Chainsaw's request to take him to work and Denise's driving lessons. It's in his right to do that, right? Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite scenes, too. And just... You know, uh, Denise and Shoop get into the car, and Dave and Chainsaw are like, what, what's happening? And he goes, I'm going to combine your favors. And someone says, uh, nope, I'll take a cab. <laughs> it's so funny just because they do not want to get in the car with well, Denise.
1: They took uh, driver's education with her. Right. And so they know how she drives. Right.
0: And then uh, as soon as he gets them into the car and the whole, can I call my parents and tell them I won't be home ever line? So good.
1: I also like, was it uh, at one point uh, she slams on the brake or something happens and uh, Chainsaw makes the comment, I'm sober. (laughs) Uh, You told a story to me, uh, I think at Crypticon, Uh, actually told it to Dean uh, during the panel about your own experience driving with your children.
0: This scene always stuck out to me because after Denise, uh, they stop or whatever. Uh, Mister Shoop says, "Okay, that's good. We're done." Both Dave and Chainsaw throw up their hands and say, "We live!" Right. And so teaching my three kids how to drive, every time we would get somewhere safely and not wreck anything, I would throw up my hands and say, "We live." And I got that from summer school, and because you know it was a very big part of my growing up.
1: And Dean actually chuckled at that story.
0: Yeah, well, it's a cute fucking story. Mm -hmm. How could you not?
1: And what's your other favorite line from that? The one where it starts off with why, you know, when (laughs) when Chainsaw says, I'll drive. Yeah,
0: Chainsaw, you've been drinking. No, it's cough medicine. Check out this phlegm. (coughs) Save the phlegm. You're not driving anywhere. I'll tell you something, and this is fact. You know why so many drunk drivers get in wrecks? Because they don't learn to drive drunk. Fact. Alcohol kills brain cells. You lose one more, you're a talking monkey. And I've used that one on many occasions. That, that I can see you
1: used that one. Yeah.
0: Now it's the party at Shoops Place. Fourth of July party. Um,
2: what would you guys think of this bit? That was crazy. I would never go for that.
1: That's the one thing I think that I don't know if it holds up because I don't think we can do a teacher with students and alcohol kind of scenes these days without people going, oh, the wrong kind of movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. They uh, definitely were pushing the envelope back then. I remember going to parties in high school and none of my teachers were there, let alone throwing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Growing up, I never really got an opportunity, surprisingly, to go to parties like this. But my brother... What? My brother, who was an athlete and very popular, he went to parties like this all the time. And he went to one that was actually a few blocks away from our house. And on Mercer Island... Uh, or as we call it, Poverty Rock, there were two types of police officers. There was the ones who were by the book and just, you know, wanted to bust high school kids. There was another one who was very friendly to the high school kids and really cared about them and didn't want to see them get in trouble. He was lucky at one party. He was sitting by a doorway when the police started to bust the party. And the ones who really wanted to bust the high schoolers came in through the front door He was sitting by the back door and this person grabs him by the shoulder and yanks him out of the door into the backyard. And it turns out to be the nice officer who asks, how far do you live from here? He goes, a few blocks. She goes, get your ass out of here. And he got to run all the way home.
0: Well, there you go. So they're having this party and, you know, it's, they're doing fireworks and somehow they light Shoop's couch on well,
1: fire. Well, it's not somehow. I love the scene that Dave lights, I don't know if it's a giant Roman candle or I what I think it's a Roman candle, he, yeah. he throws it like a stick out the back door. And Wonder Mutt? And Wonder Mutt goes and fetches it and brings it back and drops it right next to Dave on the couch. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then uh, what Chainsaw says, they have the cantaloupes and he goes, okay, enough safe and sane, let's get dumb and dangerous. Yeah,
1: did that right before
0: the couch. Yeah, yeah. I, I've said that many a Fourth of July as well, mm-hmm. so. There's
2: another little moment that happens right before Pam goes in to find Shoop in his bedroom and she kind of starts to make the moves on him a little bit.
1: Uh, Definitely some flirting going on. Was it cringy? It was a little cringy to me. And I don't think back then it was cringy because of course we were younger than Pam when we saw this movie. That's a good point. But, nowadays looking at thinking this is someone's daughter she's supposed to be only like 16 years old she even makes the comment of well you were just dating a 21 year old and i'm 16 and you know that's not much of a difference it's
0: just weird to think about
2: i didn't find it cringy because he didn't go for it at
0: all yeah right
1: i i you know just the temptation factor i think
0: i thought this scene was handled with class because shoop stops it before it Escalates. Yes, he
1: excuses himself from the situation. Be-
0: because he knows, mm-hmm. right? He's not dumb. And I like the way they handle that. They handled that with Tack where it could be a fucking red flag and you could be like, oh, man, now the movies are on. But no, I think this bit still holds up today.
2: Yeah, they never take it too far, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, awkward feelings never get
0: necessarily blatantly exposed. Right, mm-hmm. right. Feelings do get hurt, but... That's the price we pay with the game of love.
1: I love also. This is the first time. I mean, first of all, Larry, I think had the actor who played him had the best acting role because he slept throughout the whole movie. But this is where we first time we actually get to see him wake up and run off.
0: Yeah, because he's sleeping at Shoop's and he figures out what time it is and takes off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just just a little, just a little uh, inkling of what Larry has been doing. Mm-hmm. This also gives us a bit where Denise and Echian kind of have this friendship. They start you know, bonding a bit. Yeah, until Ikian throws up everywhere. <laughs> so but you know, it's nice to see that the class and the everyone were starting to come together. Rhonda and Kevin are starting to get closer.
1: This is also the scene where we have our first death in the movie. Oh, of the goldfish. The goldfish dies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're not gonna call this a goldfish snuff movie?
1: It kind of is a goldfish snuff movie, I guess. Well, but well, what do you mean you matters. guess either it only matters when it's a puppy?
0: Ah, so all other life doesn't matter? No. Oh, wow. Okay, you heard it here first, folks.
1: Yeah, I don't get phased, you know, when, you know, John Wick kills like 30 people, but if someone kills John Wick's dog, it it just bothers
0: me. i all the, always going back to John Wick with this guy. What the fuck are you going to do.
1: Well, it's cuz you know, we're so much alike.
0: <laughs> you and the dog? Shoop is arrested covering for Chainsaw and Dave after they are found in possession of alcohol. He calls Robin and she and Gills to bail him out of jail. Gills then inadvertently exposes his true self to Robin when he states he cares nothing for Shoup or his students and she overhears, causing her to storm off. Larry loses his stripper job when he is found out by his aunt and his mother, who go to the club where he works. The students make more demands on Shoup. He throws an English book against the chalkboard, and after listening, his sacrifices to grant them favors, quits his job in anger. His students start feeling guilty and scare off Shoup's dull replacement with a series of gory stunts reminiscent of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. While Shoup mopes on the beach, Wondermutt loses his toy Bob in the ocean surf. After the students find Shoup on the beach whilst eating ice cream. They ask him to return, and he accepts. So we now know that during this thing that Robin and Gills are kind of dating, and Shoop's, you know, so it's we, an early relationship? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's jealous, but you know, you can tell that he really likes Robin, mm-hmm. and um,
1: and he can he doesn't understand why she would date a dick like Gills,
0: right? And I, I like the line where Shoop looks at him and goes, "You're a heterosexual,
1: a very good one."
0: Yeah. When I first saw this in eighty seven, I am pretty sure I didn't know what that meant. So, and then uh, it's just a normal day, and Dave and Chainsaw are on the beach drinking screwdrivers, and the police come by, and so does Mister Shoop. And Mister Shoop, being the nice guy, takes the fall for the for the teens.
1: And you knew he was going to get arrested because of it.
0: Oh yeah, would you have taken the fall?
1: That's a tough one because them being youth, the the fall wouldn't be too hard. You know, they would just get some kind of slap on the wrist or some kind of fine or their parents get told they wouldn't go to jail or anything like that. Are you sure? I think it would be kind of a life lesson for underage. Yeah, they would not. They wouldn't go to jail for drinking underage.
0: Yeah. What about you? Would you take the hit? I don't know.
1: Probably not. Yeah. You,
0: Don. Uh, depends on the two kids.
2: That has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So yeah.
1: who knows? But, yeah, he ends up taking the fall and gets arrested in his shorts, uh,
0: no shirt, and roller skates. And he goes to jail. And so he calls uh, Robin to come get him, but Gills intercepts. And it turns out they were going away from the weekend. Going
1: but, some wine drinking thing.
0: Right, but they come and they bail him out, which I thought was a cute cute scene.
1: I love how uh, Shoop has an earring, and she's like, is that uh, some new jewelry? I made a friend. Right,
0: right. And so Gills and Robin go off to Wine Country and Wonder Mutt and Shoop share peanut butter, jelly, and finger. And so Shoop has this great idea to go meet women and goes to a strip club, a male strip club.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't quite follow that. I I love how he, obviously he's done this kind of thing before that he's pretended to be, you know, a playgirl. Was it a...
0: Playgirl magazine
1: from Playgirl magazine. And they're like, I don't want to do your survey.
0: Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. But I couldn't help but think of Mark Harmon as Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. Kind of preying on these women. Right. Yeah. But there was a reason to take us to the strip club because this is where we get to see Larry.
1: Larry. And we figure out this is why Larry's tired all the time.
0: Right. Right. And he kind of talks to Shoop and he says, you know, if you could go back then with what you know now, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah. And you're 18 and you know all this.
0: Yeah. And well, he's 17 because he says, don't tell anybody or they get him fired. But, um, (laughs) I love how Shoop says, God, I hate that kid. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I love how he also says something along the lines of it's all downhill from 18. And what does Shoop respond with? Ah, but what a ride. What, What a lovely ride. Right.
2: Next, we have the classroom
1: speeches that they start on. Who do they admire most? And why. And why, yeah.
0: I liked uh, Dave and Chance House.
1: They talked about Rick Baker, right?
0: Yeah. And do you notice that the other one mouths while the other one is reading? Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah,
1: it's very sweet. And
0: uh, the very, 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 very. very. Look, it's 100 words, and I love Dave's response. 100 words right on the nose. You can count it. (laughs) And this is kind of also where we get a inkling of Denise's dyslexia Mm -hmm. or that there is a problem because she won't turn in her paper and she just kind of makes it all up.
1: Yeah. My first thought was when I saw this, she just doesn't know how to read. Yeah. I didn't click dyslexia right away because she mentions that uh, she was mugged and they stole her money and homework or something like that. (laughs) They
0: were looking for money and homework. You know, Pam gives a little speech.
1: That she doesn't admire anyone because she doesn't want to be boxed in or something like that. Right, right, right. After the speeches are done, Pam shows up
0: at Shoop's place. And it's time for Shoop to grant her wish. She wants to move in. Yeah. Red flags all over the place.
1: Yeah, definite red flags. She mentioned she was a good cook, so that would have been tempting to me, the fact just to have the good cook. But...
0: And, and I think that the way that Mark Harmon plays this role and the way we have gotten to know Shoop, I think his heart was in the right place. He was really just trying to help. And again, what could make this scene really creepy and weird, the filmmakers go a different direction and her family's out there. Exactly. You know, well, even saying like- it's okay.
1: Even before seeing the family, and she talks about how she her living situation is just so bogged down and she just lost her couch and everything. Did you catch, too, that he said, okay, you can stay here until you make other arrangements? So this is oh, not yeah. a permanent thing. So he made that very clear right, right then and there. Oh,
0: yeah, very temporary. And he was actually hesitant to do it. But, mm-hmm. again, she laid the guilt trip on him. Everyone else got their wish. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do?
2: But I think having the family right there, the whole family right there, and they're all, like, okay with
0: it. I think it made it less weird. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, But you notice that wasn't her parents. That was her brother brother and sister-in-law. And all I that. took it yeah. as
0: their parents are dead. Oh, maybe. So, uh, surfing accident. Could be. Yeah. Uh, great white. And then we cut to uh, the screening of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Which I will say, I appreciate... A hundred percent more because when I first saw this movie, I had never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But thank you to your son, TJ, I have now seen it. So I knew exactly where we were in that movie
0: when we saw the the screening. When did you see Summer School? God, I saw
1: Summer School, I think, when it first came out.
0: So it took you from 1987 till 2020 to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre?
1: To see the original, yeah, the first wow. one.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, I'm pretty sure this movie, Summer School, inspired me to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I was like 13 at the time, so I was prime age.
1: When we went to the Summer School panel, uh, Dean, who plays Chainsaw, mentioned that originally they were supposed to uh, feature the movie Freaks because I guess the writing of this movie and the characters in this movie were allegories for the characters in the movie Freak, or Freaks. So now I have a desire to go see that movie. Yeah. So I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah. Have you ever seen
0: Freaks? No, I don't think so. Have you? Mm-hmm.
2: What did you think? It's a weird watch. Is it? When did
1: you you see it? A
2: bunch of years ago. Oh, wow. But I got to say, it is right up up the alley of... uh, barnum and bailey circus stuff ah gotcha
0: that's kind of what i th- was thinking last week when we were talking about the greatest showman too so they screen the movie and then after it's done uh they get a they get this package and the letter that chainsaw wrote uh got everybody free glasses mm-hmm. which you know the power of the pen so his teaching is getting through the, the kids are starting to learn something so much so that Denise asks Ikian for help with her letter, and this is where we find out that she's dyslexic because Ikian takes it to Shoup. And and Shoup
2: takes it to Robin. Right.
0: And she points out, you know, this girl has dyslexia. You got to get her help. And, you know, it just kind of goes from there. And and
2: all through this time, Shoup is still trying to woo Robin. (laughs) He is relentless. He is
1: dogged about it. Yes. Around this time, we also get Shoup taking Denise for her driver's test and Dave and Chainsaw tag along. Cause Dave is taking his, or I mean, Chainsaw is taking his driving test as well. What did you think of that whole scene?
0: I thought the moment where she finds out that she passes is a very sweet moment because mm. she can't believe it. And then she gets so excited and she's so happy. She hugs Shoop. Yeah. And you know, she says, you know, you help. Thank you so much. Whatever I can do, you know, to pay you back, whatever. And he goes, nah. Maybe see that specialist. And he kind of talks her into it and he kind of, he's telling her that he cares. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And in the meantime, Chainsaw's dad doesn't show up. So Chainsaw's got to take Shoup's car.
1: For his driving test.
0: When I took my driver's test, it took everything in me not to put my arm out and say, you got to have one arm for the babes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, this movie has stuck with me through all these years.
1: The one thing that I really enjoyed about this scene is when Chainsaw, you know, when he cuts off the other driver or whatever, and the guy swerves, and the instructor screams, watch out, or something like that. Or watch the dip. And Chainsaw turns to him and says, don't ever yell at the driver. Yeah, that's so good. (laughs) It just sounds so parent, you know, like. And I love how when he comes back, Uh, And he's still arguing with the driver instructor and just hands Shoop the bumper to the car. Right, right.
2: We have a moment that happens where Shoop comes home and Pam is little Miss Susie homemaker. And there she is making her dinner and the table's set and,
0: boy, that smells good. The way she talked to him made me feel uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. With the honeys and the Freddy and the... When she greeted him first walking in, hey, honey, that yeah, right there the creep factor went way up. Yeah.
0: But Robin comes over at the same time. And
1: I love the looks she gives. Oh, yeah.
0: And just the bewilderment on Shoop's face. Like it's not registering that this isn't okay.
1: Or even what this looks like.
0: And and that's kind of what it is too, right? Until they go outside and he tells Robin, what, what's going on? And she's all, um, you're playing with fucking fire here, bud.
1: Well, I like how she, you know, maybe it's because she's gotten time to no-shoot, but she doesn't jump to the conclusion of he's sleeping with her. He She jumps to you're just not seeing what's going on and you're going to hurt her.
0: Right. And I don't think that Shoop has that persona of being the guy who sleeps with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, again, it kind of goes back to Shoop being this all around nice guy with his heart in the right place. You know, it just took a bunch of kids to get that heart beating a little bit. I mm-hmm.
1: think this is the point where we really still going to see. He cares about these kids passing the test. Right. Right.
0: And so he tells Pam, you know, you got to go. And she's heartbroken. Yeah. But he had to do it. And he used a surf metaphor. Yes, of course he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the perfect wave and I'm chop liver. I'll go find somewhere else to sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. The next day we are in court. Well, he, ta- he goes to school and he tells them, you're all coming with me to court. Right.
0: You know, Shoop has to go because he got arrested and he takes the class with him. So they can see what's going on. I love the banter between the judge and Dave.
1: Well, even before that, I like the fact that Soup is no, you know, he's still kind of, you know, trying to cover for the kids, but he's basically telling the truth at this point. It was their alcohol. I was just trying to be, a, you know, a protect them and cover for them. And then, yeah, then it goes right into Dave and the judge.
0: <laughs> you know, Murray from Murray's Liquor. He gives them the ID. Yeah,
1: do you have an ID? Uh, I'd like you to show it to me. I'd um, rather not. I'd rather not. Well, I'm going to suggest you do.
0: You are a black Marine? From Vietnam? The war changes a man. And then after after uh, Shoop is acquitted or, you know, the uh, charges are dropped, you notice Dave trying to pull his ID away and the judge has to smack his Smack him hand. with a hammer, yeah. So after court, Shoup is free, all charges are dropped, but Gills is pissed, right? And he goes, It doesn't matter what the court says. Once uh Calburn, the principal gets back, you're fucking fired, right? And all I don't care your about you. Yeah, I mean all your kids are gonna fucking fail and be stupid, blah, blah, blah. But what he doesn't know is Robin is standing right behind him and she breaks it off with him. And she's now probably at this point, and I'm gonna say it, a hundred percent on Shoop's side. So the next day, uh, after the you know they've been busting their ass studying this that and the other, they've taken some practice tests. They uh, they're doing pretty good. Shoop asks just a little bit more, and this is where the students start to get greedy. They
1: don't want to do it. They no. want they want more favors.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Shoop's line of "I can't believe this greed."
1: I like how he says at one point they start talking about what new favors they want. Denise wants a car and. And uh, Chainsaw wants a houseboy, and it's just, they're, they're gone crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So
2: Shoop
0: quits. And I love what he says to the class. He says, uh, you drop out and be illiterate. I'm going to Hawaii and to be tan. And he storms off, you know, and it, and it shakes up the kids mm-hmm. because I think at that point they know that they pushed him too far because, well, fuck, he left. You know what I mean? And so. then...
1: Right after he leaves, we get Gills coming in to teach the rest of the day, and they do the humming thing, yeah. The humming thing is great.
0: (laughs) Mr. Gills, I cannot concentrate. I'm going to the library. And so they all get in on it, and it's a fun scene, and it kind of reminded me of the whistle scene from The Breakfast Club where Mm -hmm. the class uh, unites in solidarity. Um, But, yeah, it's a cute scene. And Gills threatens him and says, you guys act like psychopaths tomorrow, and we'll see what happens.
1: One thing I didn't mention earlier, but it's this next scene that we really get a Little House on the Prairie reunion. Did you notice that?
0: Well, considering I never watched Little House on the Prairie, I'm going to go ahead and defer to the professor.
1: The uh, substitute
2: teacher, she is a teacher it is sometimes on Little House on the Prairie. She
0: was
1: Almanzo's sister, who was the teacher in the beginning of the series. And one thing I've forgotten is the actor who played Kevin, he was also on Little House on the Prairie. He played Jonathan's son. So we got a Little Little House on the Prairie reunion.
0: Cool. So Gills is walking in the substitute, and as promised... Dave and Chainsaw, step it up a
1: bit. what do you think of Denise running out covered in the blood and just, you know, her acting of don't go in there?
0: Yeah, that was good. That was good. I got to ask you a question. What time do you think they all got to school that morning? Because that takes some time. Yeah. I mean, those were some pretty elaborate setups. Yeah, they were. And what is Ikian doing in the fucking locker holding the books whilst the metal bladed in his head? I don't know. That didn't, I mean, come on guys uh i like the hand bit and then the hand pulling out the tongue
1: did you have a favorite of all the murder scenes whatever the horror scene
0: i think my favorite was larry he was sitting in the cot, pulling out his guts pulling out his intestines and then the second one would be shawnee smith with the eraser in her was
1: that a ruler or was it a racer Uh, yeah it was
0: probably a ruler yeah yeah i thought that one was good too what about you
1: I don't know. I, I liked, like you said, Larry. I think with his eye out and everything. Uh, I also liked anne Marie in the background, hung on the wall. Yeah, that looked fairly realistic to me. I thought yeah. Anna Maria looked really good. I also liked Pam with the uh, slit
2: throat and the yeah and the spitting blood,
1: the yeah. blood like pumping throughout that neck wound too. I guess
0: Rick Baker actually came in and did those. Yeah. So
1: now, did you know that Carl Reiner purposely had that scene filmed on Halloween?
0: No, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, he planned it for Halloween so that all of the actors could then wear those costumes to their Halloween parties that night.
0: Oh, look at Carl Reiner being very thoughtful. A guy. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they scare the substitute away and they tell Gills, "We want shoot back." And Gills is like, "He fucking quit. Why would he want to come back? You guys drove him out." And
1: they go and find him on the beach. And Well, right before they find him, this is where I think the most heartbreaking scene of this entire movie happens.
0: Yeah, Shoop is down and out, right? And Wondermutt just wants to play and be his best friend, and Shoop throws Bob, and Wondermutt loses him.
1: Yeah, he loses him in the surf, and you can just see that, you know, I think some of the best acting in this movie is from the dog pouting about his lost best bud.
0: Interesting. And so... um. Yeah, they go to the beach, they find him, and he accepts. Shoop and his students then begin preparing for the final test in earnest, and even Jerome, who had gone to the bathroom weeks before, returns. The exam goes smoothly, despite Rhonda going into labor during the test. She later puts the child up for adoption. Gills tells Shoop the average of grades was below passing, so he is ready to fire him. However, the student's parents come to defend him. Due to the student's marked improvement, Principal Kelburn grants Shoop tenure for his positive efforts. Shoop returns to the beach with his dog and Robin. He asks her for a dinner date one last time. She replies they can discuss it over breakfast and kisses him. But more importantly, Bob returns to Wondermutt. Roll credits. So we are getting into our third act uh, Mr. Shoop is back, getting everybody ready for this test. Got a okay.
1: studying montage. As I say, Professor loves his montages. We get a good montage here. That's
0: right. Uh, the gal who sings the song is E.G. Bailey, and she is Tommy from the Rugrats. Oh, nice. Rugrats is an animated cartoon on Nickelodeon, in case you didn't know. Thank you. You're welcome. So, anyways, what you guys sing of this whole finale? Well, what did you
1: think of our Chainsaws Dream? The oh, I dream thought, sequence. I thought it was hilarious.
0: Yeah, that was that was funny. He, he studied so much that he had a nightmare that he forgot everything.
1: I I remember when I first saw this movie, I wanted that a little alarm clock thing that he had the the hand across the neck that just the finger moves.
0: That that's the first thing that jumped out to me when when I watched this. Uh, the second thing is that he has a Jaws two and a Jaws three poster up, mm-hmm. which you know. Gotta love it. That's another
1: reason that this movie, I think, speaks to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like how he he gets in and the mom is like, so do you want uh, scrambled eggs for breakfast? I don't know. I don't even know what eggs are. One of the things I think that gets, I don't know if it gets reused or gets quoted by, like, everybody in high school back then was the tension breaker.
0: Tension breaker had to be done.
1: Have you seen that being reused? No, no, no. I uh, people like I don't know if it was just maybe me re quoting it, but people in class would just scream every so often and yell "Pension Breaker" had to be done.
0: Yeah, no, I'd used it a couple times growing up, but mm-hmm. no, I, I haven't seen it since. Never done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they take their test, and uh, during said test, uh, Rhonda goes into labor, which we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And then after the test, they're all kind of congregated. They're at Shoop's house, right? They're on that house by the beach Mm -hmm. and Shoop isn't there. So these students are just chilling out on his deck and uh, he comes in and he says, uh, you know, it's not looking good. And I like what he says. He says, uh, you didn't fail. I failed. So he, he was taking the blame for them, not, you know, succeeding. But what we find out soon after is that there was learning. And he did make a difference. He goes into the principal's office. Uh, Gil's ready to fire him. But the principal says, before I do that, I want to talk to the parents. And they all come in and vouch for him. And then they start going through the individual accomplishments. And I thought this was a really nice touch to this scene as well. Not everybody passed. But everybody improved, didn't they and say, I think that was that's so important.
1: Didn't they say something like each one of them average all together? They went up about hundred and twenty-five percent. Yep, from yep. the original. Like Denise, who had always skipped the test, got a thirty-five or something like that. Right. And
0: Kevin gets back on the football team. Dave passes chainsaw fails. Alan's back in the family. I can't believe you did that, you asshole! You know, and then naturally Pam gets the highest the uh, score, highest. outside of the guy who was in the bathroom.
1: Yeah, who got it? Jerome, who got a 91.
0: Yeah. And so because of this, Shoop gets tenure and Robin. Well, this brought up a question for me. Shoop gets
1: tenure, but isn't technically Shoop the gym teacher? So it's not like he's going to go back to teaching English and teaching these kids again. He's now got tenure to be the gym teacher.
0: Well,. After summer's over, he gets called into the principal's office, and he said, "You did such a good job at English. You're now an English teacher."
1: That's what I, I was wondering if maybe that was a possibility because I didn't understand why you know tenure. I don't. I don't know.
2: Yeah, why does it matter? I don't know. I didn't care.
0: Yeah, okay. because it's a it's a nice little uh, bow on the story, and it's wrapped up nicely, and it's a happy ending.
1: Well, the happiest ending was that Wonder Mutt got Bob back.
0: Yep, Bob came back to Wundermutt.
1: Because even, you know, earlier on, Shoop had tried to cut the head off a doll to make a new Bob, and no, Wondermutt was not all for that. Failed miserably.
0: Oh, and you knew it was going to. Mm -hmm. You knew that shit was never going to work. Mm So, yeah, there you have it, summer school.
1: One thing that I had not heard, uh, but Dean brought it up at the summer school panel, is that in early 2012... Adam Sandler's production company, happy Madison productions has signed on to do a either. I don't know if it's a remake to this movie, a reboot, whatever. Uh, but they are talking about remaking the movie. So we may get to see another summer school down the road here.
0: I understand why you would remake it because it's one of those movies that hasn't been touched yet, <laughs> you know, and since we're remaking everything these days. Uh, however, that being said, I'm going to take it a step further With Adam Sandler and Happy Madison behind the wheel? Fuck, take my money. I'll go see it.
1: Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, Dean said, you know, he had said that it's happening in an interview and everything, but he also said during our panel that he doesn't think they need to remake it because it was so
0: good the first time. Well, of course he's going to say that. Yeah,
1: Uh, But I agree with you. Adam Sandler could do a great version of this movie, and if he brings back some of these people either for cameos, things like that, I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Speaking of high school and, you know, English classes, either of you ever have to read Lord of the Rings? Oh, fuck.
0: And now it's time for John's... precious moment.
1: This is the point in our podcast where I take whatever movie we're reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. So to start off with, Frodo. Frodo is Freddy Shoup. Both characters are initially reluctant to take on their respective journeys, but eventually rise to the occasion and demonstrate bravery and leadership. In the end, both characters emerge victorious, having accomplished their respective goals and grown in the process. For Samwise, I chose Wonder Mutt. He's the one who's always there to support and comfort our main hero, Shoup. Mr. Shoup also has qualities of Gandalf and Aragorn. He's both a leader and helps to put each of his students on the right path. He's even seen as willing to put himself in the line of danger to protect his students, just as Gandalf protected the Fellowship from the Belrog for the greater good.
0: The greater good.
1: Chainsaw and Dave would be my picks for Merry and Pippin. Throughout the film, they are portrayed as bumbling and comedic characters who mainly provide comic relief throughout the film. Like Merry and Pippin, they have a tendency to get into trouble and make mistakes, but they are also loyal to their friends and willing to help out when needed. Also like Merry and Pippin, they are somewhat underestimated by those around them, but ultimately prove themselves to be valuable members of the group. Gimli, that would be Denise Green. Like Gimli, she starts out as an outsider and a bit of a sarcastic grump. I believe she's also the shortest of the group. Throughout the movie, she shows she is dedicated, loyal, just like Gimli. Legolas would be Kevin Winchester. Like Legolas, like Legolas is an expert archer, Kevin is portrayed as having a unique set of skills that sets him apart from his classmates. That makes our fellowship... Shoop, Wondermutt, Chainsaw, Dave, Gimli, and Kevin. Robin Bishop would be Galadriel. Like Galadriel, she comes across as a guide to Shoop. She even helps light his way to becoming a better teacher. Pam would be Eowyn. While she's crushing on our hero, that love is not returned. In the end, she stands tall on her own. The closest analogy I could come up for Alan is Theoden. Like Theoden made decisions in the best interests of his people, Alan is the one who works out the original deal with Shoup for the favors granted. Larry would be Treebeard. Slow and mostly inactive in the beginning, but later he's more active and helpful in achieving the end goals. Jerome, he'd be my pick for Gollum. Early on, he makes it apparent that he only cares about himself and keeps to the shadows, or in this case, the bathroom, for most of the movie. Sauron the White? Well, that would be Vice Principal Phil Gills. Both characters initially appear to be on the side of the protagonists, but eventually he reveals himself to be working against them. He also serves as our Sauron in this movie, as he spends the majority of the movie working against Shoup, trying to control Shoup and attempting to destroy his world by taking away his job and denying him tenure. So what is the precious? What is the one ring? In summer school, the ring is represented by the final exam. It's a powerful and all-consuming object that threatens to consume the students and prevent them from achieving their goals. It's also something that must be faced and conquered in order for the students to succeed much like the One Ring had to be destroyed to save Middle Earth. At first, the power of the exam is overpowering and unconquerable in the minds of the students. Its influence is something they each have to overcome. And there you have it, my comparison between Summer School and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades.
0: All right, what do you got there, tough guy?
1: So uh, what was Robin again? Robin was glad because she lights the way.
2: Looking at this, I think that the one standout that I liked was Treebeard because he's slow-moving, just like Larry. He's pretty much asleep a lot. I thought that was really nice. Uh, I, I think that uh, Marion Pippen, that's spot on. The uh, the golem being Jerome Watkins. Yeah, okay. So I think I'm going to give this a B.
0: Not too bad. The parallels were there. Uh, I did like the uh, Gollum bit and the Gladriel bit. I thought that was good. Uh, Yeah, not too bad. I'm going to give you a B as well. And I will take the B. That's not bad for summer school grade. And that was John's...
1: precious
0: moment. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick?
2: I think I'm ready to rate this flick, John. Are you ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to take that test.
0: All right, uh, Professor, how do we do our ratings? We
2: do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. A one fuck movie is a movie where you see it and you're done. You just have really no desire to ever see it again. You saw it for whatever reason, you're you're watching it, and that's it. You're one and done.
0: Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. All right, who wants to go first?
1: Would you like me to go first? Are you done hearing from me yet?
0: Well, I feel like I've been doing most of the talking, so one of you two clowns can go first. I'll go first.
1: All right. But before I go, would you like to predict my score?
0: Oh, sure. Let's give this a shot. Um, You really didn't have anything too negative to say, but I definitely don't think you like this as well as the other popular 80s movies. I think you are going to give it four solid fucks.
1: Is that your final answer?
0: It's my final answer.
1: Okay. Summer School, a classic 80s flick about a group of misfits and their future at risk. A summer of learning, they hated being there. The teacher they got at first didn't care. Mr. Shoop, a laid-back dude. Not quite the teacher his students pursued. But as the days went by, they began to see his unconventional ways were actually the key. The students grew smarter, the bonds were formed. A summer of fun as their minds transformed. The final exam was quite a daunting task. They all did better, even though some didn't pass. So if you're looking for a movie with lots of heart, summer school is a good place to start. Chainsaw and Dave have lots of pluck so I'm giving summer school three solid
0: fucks. Three fucks from the comic book guy. I gave you more credit than you deserved. You or me? Uh, you go. All right, I'll go. Uh, as I've said before, uh, summer school holds a very special place in my heart. And, you know, seeing it, in the seventh grade with my best friend dave and being able to identify with some of the characters in it and the fact that it wasn't overtly sexual or gross or crude it was just a fun time at the movies um being compared to all of the other uh, teenage comedies out there i think it gets a bad rap because carl Reiner. Came from a place of love and uh, really wanting to tell this story his way. And I think he does it. He pulls it off. The cast is good. The soundtrack's good. The running time is perfect. When I look at these movies that we do, my first question is, is this movie cinematic gold? And I always have to ask myself that question. And, And a lot of the times, it's no, it's not cinematic gold. What I consider cinematic gold is something that completely stands on its own. Nothing, it's not compared to anything else. It's just a perfect movie, right? It's not a perfect movie. Uh, But to me, it's close. And I think a lot of it is the uh, story, the dialogue, and just the wholesomeness of it, if that makes any sense from the guy who says fuck all the time. But, you know, I love this film. I've always loved this film. I am going to give Summer School 4.5 fucks.
2: Golly. So... Summer School, I have not seen this movie in a bunch of years. It has probably been since a VHS watch, I'll bet. So it, it has been a really long time. I remember thinking at the time when I saw the movie, yeah, that's a fun movie, and watch it again the other night, yeah, it's a fun movie. Mark Harmon is very endearing. His character is extremely charming, and his uh, happy-go-lucky, soft, gentle approach to everything makes him a very likable character kirstie alley i thought that she was passable but uh i I didn't think that her character would necessarily uh was all that strongly written the supporting cast of all of the students i thought that they were fun they all had their own particular piece of personality that made them uniquely them and that's fun to be able to see that as opposed to being somebody that's just I don't want to say uh, cardboard or uh, stereotypical, but I felt like that they all had their own unique pieces of personality that made them work. I thought that the movie is a, an easy watch. You know, it's an hour, 37 minutes. And in general, it's a lighthearted summer fun flick. And I, I think that it's a nice enough movie. However, it's not necessarily something that I'm going to go out and look for on my own. I give it
0: 2.75 fucks 2.75 fucks from the professor three fucks from the comic book guy and four and a half fucks from yours truly that gives summer school an average of 3.4 fucks with 3.4 fucks that puts it in the 18th spot tied with tango and cash it chapters one and two it is slightly better than the greatest showman big mall rats and slightly worse than the peanut butter Falcon heat and big trouble in little China.
2: That's an interesting mix.
1: Earlier on, I had mentioned one of my favorite scenes. Did you guys have a favorite scene or a favorite uh, kind of joke in this movie?
0: Oh, I think the whole thing is funny. Well,
1: the reason why I ask is one of them I just thought of that really stands out to me was the beach scene when, you know, first of all, chainsaw and Dave, Ask Shoop if the next field trip it has to be a beach because they have to see Anne Marie in a bikini. And they're just sitting there staring at her as she's taking off all of her stuff and she gets down and then she starts taking off her top for you know, where Denise runs in and stops her. And I just love Dave and uh and Chainsaw's reaction of
0: uh, uh. Well Dave can't speak. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> Whoa girl, this ain't the Riviera. Uh, nice little tease there, Carl. It doesn't,
1: the chainsaw, that that was cruel. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Alright, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we're going to be reviewing next, you can check out the website. Speaking of which, John, where can they find us?
1: Well, they can always find us at our website threeguysinaflick.com where we post teasers for our next podcast, we post all of our show notes, all of our podcasts are available, and as pretty much anything else we feel like putting up there like blog articles about musicals or summer school. So you can also find us at any place that hosts podcasts as well as all of social media.
0: All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks Zach. Thanks Ronnie. Thanks Jill. And I also want to throw a special thanks to Dean Cameron for giving us the plug you heard at the opening of the show. It was really great to hear that guy talk and tell us stories, at least for, one of my favorite movies. Uh, So we really appreciate that. Thank you. And I want to thank anyone else who listens and who has suggested a movie. You keep listening. We'll keep recording. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don.
2: I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening.
0: Mr. Shoop had planned for today.
1: And sound like a teacher. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Are you gonna do More that? Are you
0: style. gonna do that throughout this whole fucking thing? Yeah, I am the producer. <sighs> well I can't really say much because <laughs> You know the whole time we were at CryptoCon, I kept saying, Oh, I saw this when I was in fifth grade, fifth grade. Seventh grade. Oh. Seventh grade.
1: So you were a liar.
0: No, I just didn't remember. Oh. If I was if I was lying, I didn't mean to. Mm. Old age. Thanks, buddy. No, That's okay. right. We we made those rules. You signed the contract before we turned on the mics, bud. The NDA. Yeah, you're you're kind of in breach there. Yeah. You know what that means? It wouldn't be the first time. Bring out the gimp. The gimp's sleeping. Well, I guess you just have to go wake him now, won't you? This is the point in our pod. I- really? Yeah, that just happened.
1: Fucking get over it. So unprofessional. Which one of us deserves to go back to summer school? Uh Probably me. Well, only if they're going to teach, you know, not to swear. Oh, fuck.
0: <laughs> All right, fuck off. Good night. I'm happy that I through another
1: day when I pick up the phone. I
0: still be never what to say.